Welcome to the Working Capitalists. Hello, my name is Brian Shanahan. I'm the founder of Informata and TermsCheck.com. I've been working in the subjects of working capital and procurement for approximately 25 years all over the earth. Hi, my name is Lane Burkett. I'm from Arizona and working closely with Brian and with Informata on working capital projects in all corners of the globe. One big question that we're very often asked is, what is working capital? Because there's several definitions. I think what we like to talk about, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lane, is uh, what we call operational working capital. So that is trade payables, trade receivables, inventories, but not intercompany stuff, not your cash balances or, or cash equivalents and things like that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Brian because the work that we do and our audiences that we're working with are frequently trying to impact working capital through operational and process improvements. And that's the definition that that we're most likely to come across, most likely to use. The other one uh, that uh, I've been asked in the past, purely from a theoretical point of view is, well, why do we need working capital at all if if it's deemed to be such a problem? And uh, my answer for that is, you know, firstly, Uh, We need to be able to offer credit to our customers as an enticement to trade. But of course, you've got to manage that. Equally, I want to get credit from my suppliers. So that helps me cover my position with the customer. And then, of course, I don't exactly know when the customer wants my product. So therefore, I'm, I'm going to have to have some kind of inventory so that I don't have to go through the entire supply chain to make them wait for whatever it is that they they want to get. Because if they do have to wait, they might just go to the next guy because I don't have the product. Exactly. And uh, working capital in most businesses is required. I agree. In most businesses, just to cover that lead time between the customer expectation of the service being provided, the, the goods or services, and the time it takes to actually produce those goods or services. It's different. Uh, Some businesses are able to work at a very low or even negative working capital. Uh, Negative working capital is when we actually are able to fund our business entirely through credit from our customers. And we don't pay our suppliers until after we've sold the product. And that allows us to to uh, have our customers and our suppliers fund our business entirely. But that's a that's a very unusual position. And maybe there are a few businesses like Dell who have tried to do that for the long term. It's interesting you say that, Lane, because if if you look at, say, UK supermarkets, they all are working capital negative and have been for decades. Now, it should be said that many of the practices they've come up with over the years have been deemed to be, shall we say, a little bit aggressive. Yeah, But uh, but one of the things that's been very important, particularly people like Tesco and so on, who are very good at this, is if, in effect, they've transported this model uh, on all their businesses around the world, and it's allowed them to fund their expansion. So it is possible for some businesses, but most businesses do not operate that way. Yeah, true. Yeah. The one big exception for all those people sinking a Budweiser in the evening or or whichever other brand comes from the same company, they are about minus 7% uh, working capital. They, they have far more payables than both their receivables and inventories combined, which is actually a remarkable statistic. This is for AB InBev, because on the one hand, they make beer yeah, and lots of different types of beer. 
So beer takes, you know, commercial beer takes three or four weeks to make. But of course, one of the things they've been adding to their portfolio is all sorts of things like spirits and wines and all sorts of things. Yeah. If you think of like a whiskey and inventory, would you buy a three week old whiskey? No way. It'd probably kill you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't remember it if I did. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and uh, I mean, even the moonshiners wouldn't touch that. Yeah. So they, they have inventories of all this very high price stuff, which could be there for years and years and years before I have an opportunity to sell it. And they're still working capital negative, which is actually quite a remarkable achievement on their part. And many people think that this kind of started from the U.S. end when Anheuser-Busch was bought out. Yeah. But actually, it started from the Belgian end. They figured this one out before they started their big expansion. And effectively, they have used that, that cash, one, to help fund their various expansions all over the world, which they continue to do, and also to invest in capital, which mm-hmm. uh, in that industry has proved to be hugely important over the long term. So from the overview of working capital point of view, is there something else that we need to talk about? Um, yeah, well, I think, I think the usual problems we come across are people who, have, who feel, at least feel, they have too much working capital. And, and what are the kinds of things that can happen in a business that basically has got too much soaked up in that working capital box? In, from the inventory point of view, what happens when you have too much inventory is you you start holding the wrong material, whether it be finished goods or raw materials, you don't have what it is your customers want. And your customer service levels will actually start to decline when holding too much inventory, which is sometimes uh, not well understood that holding too much inventory of the wrong inventory is a working capital problem. It's not necessarily an operational problem. It becomes an operational and and a customer service issue, but it starts out as a working capital problem. But I think another issue is from a strategic point of view, uh, many people who get involved in uh, M&A don't understand working capital properly. Let me give you two examples. Yeah, Uh, One's a good one, one's a bad one. Yeah, Uh, One uh, is actually the same company where uh, if you looked at all their various divisions, uh, the one with the best working capital position was a company that made firewall. And the production process takes about two minutes. You basically take sand, heat it up to a ridiculous temperature, you spin it through through uh, what looks like kind of a yarn thing, and it comes out with this, this wool product. So your whole production process only takes two minutes. So therefore, from a strategic point of view, these guys should be very good at inventory because their production process is really quick. Now, in that case, those guys actually had pretty good working capital numbers because of their production process. Then um, a sister company then who made these uh, magnetic disc rings, which are used in the computer chip industry, they had the opposite problem. They had a production process that where the basic disc was made in a factory in Germany, then it was sent to China, then it was sent to Sweden, then it was sent to Czechoslovakia, then then what was Czechoslovakia, uh, then sent back to Germany, back to China, back to Germany. Yeah. So they had this production process, obviously multi-process, but all the transportation of it which went on for weeks and weeks. So if you looked at their work in progress, it was massive. And the, and the interesting thing was that the, the, the parent company bought them looking at the profitability of the product, which was quite high, uh, not uh, at, the, at the balance sheet and the working capital element of it. And when they realized that their working capital ratio to sales because of this production process was 37% of sales, which is enormous. 
most companies is probably somewhere 11 to 14 uh, as an average, big range in that. Rather than fix the problem, which would have been knock down all these factories and consolidate in one place, they actually sold the company because they saw it as just too much to invest in this to fix the problem. Right. And they and it may not have been the parent company's expertise. The manufacturing process and all of that resided in those individual locations. That's where that's where those kind of uh, consolidations can be very, very difficult, because if the product is working now with the current process, there may be expertise residing in each of those locations that can be difficult to consolidate in one location. And unless you understand how to how to work that. I mean, the other interesting thing for me, Lane, is uh, in 25 years, most people I speak to who don't know too much about this think that people get involved in working capital projects because they have some major business issue and they're just about to go bust. Yeah. 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 And uh, and and actually, my experience is quite the opposite. I mean, obviously, the ones we read about in the newspapers have got a working capital problem and they hit chapter 11 or administration of some kind, depending on what country you're in. Obviously, they have a problem. But my experience is that by that stage, it's probably too late. And that all the companies that I've worked with, it's not to say that they don't have problems, but they're trying to fix the roof when the sun shines. Yeah? They recognize that that they have an opportunity to optimize something during the good times so that they can weather the bad times far, far better. You know, my experience, if you look at some of the world's biggest and greatest companies and the ones that have survived the longest, yeah, are those ones that keep cash close to their heart. Yeah. So we've seen many great companies in recent years who not gone to the wall, but they've fallen from the from the high perch they were on. And in many cases, it's because they've got into business ventures which have just bled cash. I, I agree with that. And there's there's all those old adages, cash is king and cash is all that matters, because it's true. In a business, you have to know uh, your cash flow. You have to hold it close to your heart, and it has to be close to the heart of the business. And that's what leads to a healthy business in the long term. I, Absolutely. I, Absolutely. And, and what I always tell people is uh, the person with cash in their pocket, however you want to describe that, or funding or whatever you want to call that, has options. And that could be the option to build a new plant, uh, increase your capital expenditure, buy something, reschedule debts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the healthier you are on that, on that cash line, uh, the more options you have to do whatever it is that your strategy is trying to achieve. You get boxed in and as a company, you start doing things because you have to do them, not necessarily because you want to do them. And, and if you're chasing that cash line all the time because it's not healthy and you don't understand the cash requirements of your business, sometimes I find that to be the case, that there are unrealistic expectations about uh, the, the real cash requirements of running a business of a particular, a particular magnitude. And yeah. uh, there's, there's an expectation of, of having lower working capital than is practical with the current structure of the business. Yeah. And um, that can lead to all kinds of unhealthy uh, activities uh, by businesses, things like stop receiving in the last week of the month so <laughs> the inventory numbers are, are better. This is always a problem in the U.S. markets where we have so much focus on quarterly earnings and quarterly numbers 
that leads to people not paying suppliers at the end of a reporting period or not receiving product, things that are incredibly inefficient and lead to much higher costs overall in order to communicate to the market that they have a better cash position than they really do. You have been listening to The Working Capitalists. Thank you for listening. Next time we'll be speaking about trade payables.